0: Sharing personal stories, practical help, and timeless principles to help you live at your best. So lean in and let's tackle life together.
1: Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back, friends. We are so excited that you have joined us yet again for another episode of First in Maine. If this is your first time joining us, we are so happy that you're here. This is episode number 14 and our final episode in our 60 Day Attitude Challenge.
0: Yeah, you know, we hope you have enjoyed this challenge. We've been talking all about attitude, what it is, what triggers a bad attitude, and how to keep a handle on that. We've even spent time talking about the attitudes Jesus says will bring true happiness and fulfillment. And our last episode, we heard two of our friends begin to share their perspectives on our topic.
1: Yeah, and if you haven't listened to the last episode, you definitely want to, because we had so much fun with Anika Murray and Pastor Andy Smith. Our conversation was so insightful that it actually ended up being way longer than we expected. (laughs) (laughs) We were really into it, and it just kept going.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, they do say time flies when you're having fun. True. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It was fun, but they really shared so many insightful things that we just decided to share half of the Interview last episode and then give you the second half this time. So we'll just go ahead and cue it up jump right into it and at the end we'll come back and share some final thoughts with you guys okay let's cue it up
1: okay so you know we've been talking about the beatitudes which are eight specific attitudes Jesus talked about and they can produce true happiness and satisfaction in our lives and i'd really i just love for you guys to share maybe an insight that you have into the beatitudes and possibly one that has really made an impression on you or maybe one that you have a story about you know just just a way that you have learned to demonstrate that particular attitude in your own life.
2: Yeah, so I I love the beatitudes, uh, but probably because of some some uh, some of my own adjustments to my own life that this this whole story has had. Because I think it's fascinating that. Jesus is in the midst of a large crowd, and he calls his disciples, he he pulls them aside, he sits down, and his intent was to teach them in the landscape and in the context of the culture they were in. And so he doesn't speak this off-removed in this place of a retreat. He actually is speaking this in real time of what everyone is facing, what they see going on around and he's teaching them where you knew other people may have overheard his teaching as a way of saying, I'm, I'm here to bring a new standard of what blessing looks like because blessing according to the realm and the rule of heaven looks different than what we think blessing is here. And the first thing he attacks is pride. He yeah. <laughs> just goes right after it, right? When he talks about blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And and what's so interesting is every other arrogant unrighteous, unholy act or sin, which is simply missing the mark, is a derivative of pride. Because pride is when I elevate myself as a God, when I put myself as an idol, and where I actually say, Lord, you need to move according to my will, because my limited standards and perspectives are greater than your unlimited. And so the first thing Jesus goes after is what we have to cut down. And I think. I think you can make an argument, and and and, and again this is just, just a little sidebar, I think you can make an argument that the other subsequent beatitudes are all contingent on this first one being in place, which is blessed are the poor in spirit. The word poor in that context is this idea of being destitute and impoverished, and meaning lacking so much that there is not there's not even a, a semblance or resemblance of your own spirit. And he says, when someone comes in in a truly destitute place of their own spirit, they are vessels completely fit and personally uh, suited to be filled and have the, uh, access and influence and all the rights and entitlements of the kingdom of heaven. And so that has always got me. In fact, what I do for a living is, you know, I speak pretty much once uh, once or twice every week. I preach once or twice every week. Um, and in that, what I've learned is the difference between a really good message that was full of me, that people go, yeah, that was good, and then a really good message that was empty of me where someone was transformed. Mm-hmm. The difference for me here is everything that is full of me will not have transformational power, mm-hmm. and therefore it will not make a difference it, but you can rest assured it will have influence. And that's not always a positive thing. And so for me, what I realized is, is one, one Sunday I got through speaking, I walked off the platform. Nobody really responded. And my attitude was, man, the people just weren't in it today, Mm. right? My first thought was it's you guys. It's not me because I knew I spoke that correctly. I knew I was right on that. I could argue that point with anybody, and yet the problem is, as I had gone up there and I had spoken in a certain way, that afterwards someone came up to me and said, "I, I, I did this," and and I said, uh, "What did you think about what I shared today?" and and they said, "I was hoping you wouldn't ask me," and I was like, "Oh, oh man, wow, you just crushed me! You just, you just," and this guy said, "Because you seemed angry." Ooh. And I'm like, did you not hear the word that I just preached? And uh, and of course, I didn't say it that passionately. I'm like, well, why? unpack that for me. He goes, well, all that you were saying, I agree with, but you seemed angry while you were saying it, and I didn't know what we had done to make you angry. Mm. And I thought, wow, here is something. And you know what? For me, I realized I stood in the way of the gospel that day. Not by what I was teaching, but by how I was teaching it. Wow. And and, and I hate to hijack this for a minute, but, but I think in our current landscape, Debs, it is interesting. If you look at our political dynamic, our social dynamic, our cultural dynamic right now, yeah. how many people have stood up and said, God is on my side, and let me tell you what he says and how disgusted he is with the way things are. And we've got to remember, God is on humanity's side. Right. And there will come a time, if people deny Christ, that heaven and hell, they will, they will be set apart in hell. But Jesus is for us, and we need to broker it in such a way that people realize they come and they receive him. And attitude is the chief indicator and marker to how effectively we do that.
0: So true. So true. Thank you for sharing that. All right, Anika, what about you? Any of the Beatitudes, thoughts, insights?
3: Yes. Okay. It's just so much contained in each one of these uh, Beatitudes. It's so much. And, you know, and it teaches us how to be blessed and who doesn't want to be blessed, you know, and to be happy and to be fortunate. You know, one that stands out to me is that the pure in heart will see God. And I remember a time where, someone dear to me, now dear to me, uh, really questioned my motivations and questioned my intention. Now, this is someone who had lived in my home um, at no cost. And she came back to me and said uh, she didn't think that I liked her and didn't feel um, like I was really accepting of her. And I was really shocked because I had done so many things for her um, previously. But what it made me do from that point was really examine my heart and um, ask the Lord, what is it that I am giving off that would give someone that impression as opposed to um, letting them see, you know, truly how I thought of them or how I Mm -hmm. felt And just examining my heart to make sure I'm not doing things out of ill motives or ill intent or to be seen or doing things out of obligation, but really from that sincerity of heart. And, you know, in scripture, in Psalms, David constantly, you know, asked for um, a pure heart that he would be cleansed. And one way of putting it is just making sure we're up to date in our repentance. I always pray that I will have a, just a sincere heart and a pure heart um, before God. I realize at times when I can't see God clearly or see what he's doing, I have to do a heart check. And really make sure I'm lining up with what he's spoken, what he says, and that I'm able to do things with the whole heart and out of that purity that comes from a relationship with him. You know, the Bible teaches us also to just guard our hearts and, you know, we guard things that we hold dear to us. Uh, We keep those things protected and our heart should be kept just above all things really, because out of it, you know, flows the issues of life. It flows, um, things flow from, from our heart, even out of the abundance of our heart, you know, we speak. So we have to make sure that we are guarding. So what I do is I am conscious of the things that I see, of the things that I hear and the things that I think, knowing that those things, um, have an impact on my heart. And the way to help maintain purity of heart is to just be mindful and pay attention to what we are really giving our attention to. I love that. And I think a lot of times I've just found in
0: my relationship with the Lord is like, we don't have to hide anything. And Mm -hmm. I've had, I have and have had, and still do have um, issues of the heart. There are things that come up, there are desires, there are, um are you know things that pull for my affection my devotion mm-hmm. my attention and obviously walking with the lord we know things that are helpful that are not helpful and just being honest with him i think that's so huge i think just god this is what i'm dealing with and this is this came up i wasn't even like you know thinking about this and like got in a situation and here it is before me. And this is like rumbling around in my heart and just being able to talk Mm -hmm. to him about those things. We can talk to him about anything. And I think a lot of people, they feel certain things. They may be, you know, start getting drawn towards something and they're afraid to even talk about that. But he sees all of that. He knows all of that. And all he wants from us is to talk to him about it. He is the only one that can change the desires of our Heart, you know the devotion of our heart, and that's the incredible thing that He promises. He will give us a new heart. He'll change our. He'll so soften good. our heart. And um, life can harden your heart. And There are things that sin hardens your heart. And um, if you find yourself in a place where you are giving, you know, into some of your desires, you feel yourself hardening toward, you know, even wanting to obey God, wanting to follow those promptings where He's saying, "Turn that off," or Uh, turn away from that. You know, all you have to do is just acknowledge that and talk to him about it. And he will help you Mm. when you don't want to actually do the right thing. Okay, Pastor Andy, I want to shoot this question to you. I want to talk about saltiness for just a minute, because nowadays, if you're described as being salty, it is not a positive thing. Somebody is saying that you either have a bad attitude, you're bitter or angry because like you being salty. But Jesus actually talks about saltiness right after describing the eight attitudes we are to have. And it's a positive thing. So I would, I'm going to read the scripture and then I'd love you to just talk about this for a little bit. So we can have the right perspective on saltiness. Matthew 5, verses 13 through 14 talks about light as well. It says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and walked on by people. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good deeds and moral excellence and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So when Jesus refers to being salty, it's a good thing, right?
2: Oh, absolutely. It's a good thing. But he's talking about it from a... Um, A modern-day understanding of salt, which is a preservative, it would preserve. It was used to preserve, right? We use it for seasoning. But back in first-century culture, it was used as a preservative to keep things from expiring or spoiling. Because when something spoils, it becomes toxic. And that toxicity creates illness and sickness and all kinds of things, right? Yeah. So they found that salt could be a preservative, and that salt— his point here is is if you lose your saltiness, you lose your whole design to be a preservative. What's the point of you even being called salt anymore? You're not salt. It's useless, right? You, you really, in some sense, have one job, and that's to be one who preserves and keeps so it does not spoil and ruin and become toxic. And so Jesus says salt is what we're supposed to be, and and, and he connects it to light, right? Light is a way of showing people a direction. If if you're in a um, pitch-dark place and you see a light, you're going to the light because it's the only way for you to be able to see what has not been disclosed to you, what is hidden. And so we are those that—and in this particular case, Jesus had just disclosed the state of blessing— that his father wanted his disciples to know for our lives on earth. Here's the state of blessing. I want to disclose it to you. I don't want it to be hidden. Yeah. Hey guys, you your job is to go and disclose it. But if you aren't living it and demonstrating it, what do you have to disclose? And and again, SALT, what do you have if if your whole interaction with somebody, if your whole conversation with somebody, if your whole influence over somebody doesn't promote the preservation of their life, then what good is it for you to even be uh, considered a follower mm-hmm. or be or be called a follower? And that is such a convicting, yet he, he was just given an exp- explanation. But it, when we look at it in this context, I think I have to ask the question, Debs, um, are we preserving our culture today? When we get so focused on legislating behavior, are we preserving or what we doing is trying to control? Are we, are we changing people's lives because they come in contact with us and they benefit from the salt of our lives, right? Mm -hmm. Because they see in us demonstrated what life was meant to be and how life was meant to be lived.
0: Yeah, man, those are great questions. And, you know, They're just something I really want to encourage all of us to take some time to think about and really take to heart. Are people benefiting from the salt of our lives? Are they seeing in us how life is meant to be lived? And if not, how can we adjust and make the changes necessary so that when people are watching and listening to us, they see us displaying the attitudes Jesus described in the Beatitudes— You know, when they do, we are going to stand out and inevitably, without probably saying anything specifically, like our life will show people a better way to live. I want that. I really, really do.
1: You know, all this makes me think of my job. You know, I'm in a salon where I am working with people and doing hair, and some of the conversations that I hear sometimes aren't like great conversations you know and i have an opportunity to be salt yeah um also a lot of times people come in and they just want to close their eyes and relax and when they're doing that they're also listening to other people's conversations Yeah. and so what more of a perfect moment to really be of salt if someone's going to listen to me i want them to hear you know, salty, I guess, <laughs> Th- salty things, you know, but of God salts, you know, I want to be that that light. And yeah. it's really, it's tough sometimes, when you are faced every day with negative conversations, or with things that's happening in people's lives. And you have to, you know, be compassionate, and you have to listen, and you have to, you know, give, um, you know, advice in a godly way and you know be that love on somebody i've had people come in my chair before and i'll say hey how are you doing today and right away i'll get oh it's been a terrible day you know or i'll get um oh i'm just not doing so good and you know tears and having to like change directions really quick and be that love on someone especially in a world where you feel and see so much negativity sometimes Mm -hmm. can be
0: really tough yeah, it can be. And I think we're gonna face some type of attitude challenge every day. And that's why our personal relationship with the Holy Spirit is so important. It's why spending time in God's presence, in his word, why being with, you know, our faith community matters. Those are the things that are gonna fuel us and fill us up. And the truth is Without them, we're going to naturally drift in the opposite direction. Bottom line, we're going to pour out what is being poured in. So, you know, for me, I think it goes back to what Pastor Andy said at the beginning um, in the first beatitude, being poor in spirit. That's just us learning to stay in a place of dependency on God, to be salt, to be light, to have the right perspective, to keep our attitude in check because it's just impossible without Him. So, Anika, I know that something happened to you just the other week. We had been talking about attitude, and as soon as it happened, you gave him a call. I would love for you to share that story with our listeners today.
3: Yeah, I have a story to share. Just a few weeks ago, I had to do a dreaded call to customer service at T-Mobile. Okay, <laughs> oh. my phone was acting up, doing weird things, so I finally sat down to make this call. So anyway, of course, I had to wait for a few minutes and a representative comes on and she did her best, but to no avail. So of course she had to get an expert on the line with me. So (laughs) we went through some prompts and checking the settings and restarting the phone and all of this, and it took about an hour. So during the time we did a little small talk, but nothing major or nothing big. Towards the end of the call, She asked about the service and if I would recommend her. So I kind of paused and then I said, well, you were nice and um, helpful. So yes, I'd, I'd recommend you. Thank you so much. And what she said next, Deb, she said, I'm so glad that you answered that way or you told me that I was nice because this is my first day back. And you're my first call of the day. And I'm so glad you were on the phone with me. I just got back from being out for a month because I lost my husband. My husband died last month. Mm. So, of course, we have this, you know, pause. Wow. And it gave me an opportunity to try to say some encouraging words. Mm -hmm. You know, I had no intention of being extra nice. I was just being regular Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to her. But to hear her say she was thankful that I was the first call she had back because I was being nice to her. And it makes you think you don't know what people are going through or what your attitude could do for someone Mm. else, even when you're not being intentional about it. So I just wanted to to just share that bit about that. Wow. And you think about it, you know, there's so many calls that customer service gets. And I'm sure most people are frustrated. You know, I just bought this phone. It was $1,000 or whatever. It needs to work. So you can imagine the calls that they get. I mean, you know how we can be when it comes to our phones. But thankfully, the Lord helped me. I didn't even know it. I didn't even know I needed to, you know, be helped and be nice. (laughs) I was just being regular. I wasn't overly nice, guys. (laughs) I was just being... Cordial. Wow. And it was what she needed at the time. So it's important to always maintain a, a good attitude because you, you can help someone else along the way.
0: So it's just like Andy that's said, your cool. attitude paved the way.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, that's such a great story. It's such a fantastic story. I, and I think we forget that how we live in the ordinary moments will determine if people have an extraordinary encounter with God. And I think it's, for me, something I've got to remember, uh, whether I'm sitting down at a restaurant and the service is not what I think it should be, whether it's being on a customer service call, Anika, such a brilliant story. Who would have thought you were talking to somebody whose first day back after having such a tragedy in their life? And yet, in those moments, I love how you say it's just being regular. But it's just being regular in agreement with Holy Spirit and sensitive to how you respond. And almost in those micro moments where you didn't stop and be like, all right, now I'm about to be on this call with this customer service person. I want to be light here, God. It's No, if I just stay in tune and in step with Holy Spirit, what comes out of me when I get squeezed, is it preserving or is it discouraging? Is it divisive? Is it destructive? And if it's preserving, well, there you go. You were just being regular because what you had deposited in you was squeezed out in an hour conversation with customer service that actually was preserving to this woman. It's powerful.
0: Love that. So that is a great question, I think, to ask ourselves is, how are we doing when we get squeezed? (laughs) And if what's coming out isn't preserving, that's just a indication that we need some time with the Holy Spirit. We need to be refilled. We need to get reconnected, because um, if we are having those that time with the Lord and all of that, when we get squeezed, like Anika, what is going to come out is what's been put in. So, love so that. True. All right. Um, well, here's uh, let's. This is probably the last question that I want to ask you guys. You have both been in ministry for years. You've obviously ministered to, you've served with and you've had the opportunity to lead a lot of people, different types of personalities, uh, people with different issues and all of that. And can you give it you know give our listeners some tips on how you've learned to respond to people? that just have a bad attitude? What are some ways that you've learned that you can actually help them?
2: <laughs> well, that, that that's a great question. Um, I think in all the times that I've had to deal with somebody with a bad attitude and I've tried to help them because I've seen redemptive value in them, I think my approach has been different than when I've tried to help somebody that I didn't care for. Because I think that's the first really key in being effective and helping somebody course correct an attitude issue is, number one, do I see redemptive value in them? And can I dismiss my personal feelings or judgments on them to be able to push past the emotion, the awkward dynamics that have been created and having a confrontational conversation to some degree, even if it's a kind conversation, which it should be, it's gonna be you're confronting something, right? You're saying, Hey, stop, we need to address this. So I think the first thing I have to do is check my heart before I go into that conversation. Cause I have corrected a lot of people I didn't like. And that wasn't redemptive. So <laughs> I just I you know I know that wasn't and I I was right, but I was wrong. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Uh-huh. And so but the when I sit down with them I always say, look, let me tell you what is being communicated And I don't believe that's your intention. So I always address that I I remove any judgment from my conversation and use it as a way of saying, help me understand, you seem frustrated. You seem really irritated. This seems like it's really uh, putting you out having to do that. You really seem like you don't enjoy this. And that's not what I believe really is your heart. And so I, I always say there is something powerful about giving someone the benefit of the doubt, yeah, and letting them speak to it, and then depending on their response. A lot of times people are like, "Well, no, I didn't know I was doing that." I, who got upset? I'm like, "Well, it's not just someone got upset, but that's what you're communicating. So if you're communicating, then that that's what that's what people are understanding, right? Yeah. And so we always understand when you're talking to someone who is has a bad attitude, I always say, if you're leading, you lost the right to be unkind. If you're not leading, you have more rights to be unkind. Mm. That won't benefit you, but you have more rights. Right. Uh, And so I always start with a question. Hey, this is what's coming across, but I know that I don't believe, and I don't ever say I know. I say, I don't believe that's your intention or your heart, but help me understand because this is what's being communicated. Mm-hmm. And usually most of the time that squashes it. Now, some people are like, yeah, I'm frustrated. Then that's then goes great. Let's talk about what's driving that. And I'm going to be here to help you deal with that. I want to help. I want to come as a support and help you deal with whatever it is that's driving that. And so depending on what they say, we will determine where we go from there.
0: Yeah, that's great. Love that. Uh, one of the things that you said there is like you focus on the issue. And not the intention. And I think a a lot of times we assume intention. And when we do that, it really can um, put us on the wrong course. (laughs) Yeah. Because we do not, nobody knows what's in a person's heart except for God. So, Well, it's like
2: that man. It's like that man that came up to me after my message that one Sunday and said, I was hoping you didn't ask me that. That completely disarmed me. Like it knocked me off my feet almost. Like it was like, what, what? And this is a good friend of mine. Yeah. And you know, what's bad when a good friend doesn't really want to have a conversation with you. That should be an indication you're doing something (laughs) wrong, right? Like when a good friend that you go have lunch with, and is your main supporter says, I was hoping you didn't ask me that. And he didn't say, man, you had an attitude. He said, I was hoping you didn't ask me that. He disarmed me by not talking about what I had done, but talking Mm -hmm. about how he felt about what I had done. Yeah. Then made me, and then I was automatically like, wait a minute. And that's what I always think we have to do is, let's talk. Hey, look, I don't know what's going on. I feel yeah. you're angry. Not, let me tell you something about your bad attitude. And he opened me up to go, well, okay, so what did I do? And he said, you seemed angry. Again, he didn't criticize. He didn't say my, my motive was to be mean to the people. Didn't, he just said, you seemed angry. And I was wondering what I had done or what we had done wrong. And all of a sudden, it put the responsibility back on me to have to answer the question, why was I communicating that that way? Because that wasn't at all what I wanted to accomplish. And then the second thing, it let me realize that I actually was preaching a message to one person in the audience that hundreds had to endure. Mm. Because I didn't address something. That's a whole nother subject. I just rabbit trail. <laughs> but anybody that's listened to a message and you're thinking this guy's talking to somebody, uh-huh. it's probably because we did and we shouldn't have. <laughs> but that because we didn't want to address it head on. Uh... Alright, I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well- so well, good. I want to share I want to share one um, one approach that we use uh, with the kids. Okay. So in cases where, you know, they have a, they're sad or have a bad attitude or have been pouting is we ask them, how long would you like to be upset about this? Mm. Is it <laughs> is it two minutes, 20 minutes, two days? Like, how long do you want to uh, wow. you know, feel this way? They pause and think about it and during those moments realize that they really have a choice about what attitude they want to have. So whether they want the situation to dictate how they feel Uh or if they want to decide that their attitude is going to be good, regardless of what just happened or what someone else had done. And we've done that for a while and I tell you it has really made a difference just in their attitude so we give them hey you can you want to be upset for two minutes you want to go to your room and how? what would you like to do and, <laughs>
2: that's incredible. and they
3: think about it and they're like well I don't really want to be sad I don't want to be sad for 20 minutes I, mean, I don't want to feel like this I want to feel good uh-huh. okay so you could choose how you want to feel and just just let us know okay and we do that with them
2: man that's a life hack
3: That is really good. (laughs) I loved
1: both of your answers. And, you know, when talking about attitude, I think I could kind of sum up based on your answers. It's all about learning to communicate well, like Pastor Andy said, but it's also learning to choose well, like Pastor Anika, you said. And um, I think both of those are just great, you know, takeaways from today of how to go on throughout our next, you know, couple days and weeks and hopefully months, having a good attitude is, you know, working on our communication skills and working on choosing well, choosing what, you know, God wants us to choose and living the life that he's intended us to live.
2: You know, I just want to say just to anybody that's listening and, and as an encouragement to both you and Lauren, I think when we get vulnerable enough to have these conversations, What we're doing is we're not saying, hey, this is the quick solution. It's going to change everything. What we're saying is we recognize that if we don't address our attitudes, we cannot expect to influence the attitudes and the culture of the people around us. And the only person, I don't know if it was Anika or Debs or I don't know which one of you said this. And I apologize for not knowing. But we can't really control anything but ourselves. And, and so I think addressing this idea of attitude says if I am completely or I'm up to date or on my repentance, I'm, I'm, I'm really monitoring my heart, thus my attitude, I will number one, have a better handle on how to live in the midst of other people and have a great opportunity to influence their attitudes
1: pastor andy that is so good thank you for sharing that with us and wrapping it all up for us very very good and anika we are so glad that you're with us too um i took lots of notes from both of y'all today so thank you again for being with us
0: yes you shared so many nuggets i can't wait to go back and listen and write them all down Anyway, you know we loved having you guys, and obviously we would love to have you back with us. Thanks again
3: for taking the time.
0: We really
2: appreciate it. Yes, glad to be here. Thanks so much. I really appreciate the invitation.
3: Thanks for having us. I, I love being with you guys, so thanks for inviting me back. Well, guys, that was the last half of the interview.
0: See what we mean. It was so good. We had to share it with you all. I have
1: taken so many notes, Debs. (laughs) My hands hurt. (laughs) Um, You know, Debs, there is one more thing, though, that I feel like we need to mention. Okay. When I think deeply about all the times that I've had to apologize for my bad attitude, i realize that most of the time it's because I'm not feeling well. It could be that I'm tired or hangry. It could be my hormones or even my diet. You know, sometimes when I eat bad, I just feel bad.
0: Same, same, same. Same.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes it's like aches and pains from what I do standing at work all day. I don't know. Whatever it is, I have learned for myself that most of the time my attitude is bad when I feel bad. And so feeling bad should not be an excuse to have a bad attitude. We are not only responsible for our attitudes, what we say and how we say it, you know, like what we think and how we react and mm. respond, but yeah. we are also responsible for our bodies.
0: Yeah, Lauren. You know, I am, I'm really glad you mentioned that because it's true. We are integrated beings. We are not just, you know, a soul and a spirit, you know, having mind, will and emotions. We have a body and one thing, one area of our life, you know, definitely impacts another area of our life. And, you know, it we can have that domino effect. So I think it'd be great if we would just take a little bit of time maybe over, you know, the next few episodes and Maybe talk about some of the key areas that we're responsible for stewarding. Like, you know, you mentioned our bodies. That's just one example. And maybe we spend some time talking about personal disciplines and habits that could really help all of us make sure we're on track and then just set us all up to win every day.
1: Yeah, that's a great idea. I think we should do that. It would make for some really great podcast episodes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Debs, we did it. We completed
0: our (laughs) 60-Day Attitude Challenge. You know, and for everybody listening, we hope that the last eight weeks have not only challenged you, but they've helped you, helped to remind you how important your attitude is and the difference it makes in determining the kind of life you have and the impact that you're having on others, whether you realize it or not. And we hope that the Beatitudes are going to be, from this point forward, your first and main attitudes you aspire to have. And we just pray in the days to come, you find yourself having better attitude and keeping a better handle on it.
1: I agree. And you know, even though we're finishing up the 60-Day Attitude Challenge, it really is a never-ending
0: challenge.
1: This is something we can and should work on every day. So let's commit to praying about our attitudes and continually work on them.
0: All right. I'm with you. All right. That's it for today. We hope you've enjoyed it. We can't wait to meet here with you again at First in Maine, your avenue to living well.